Welcome back to another episode of Less Than 10. I'm Farrell, and tonight we got a really great show lined up. Uh, I'm here with Blood Rune again. You can say hi, Blood. Hey, guys. Great to be here. Um, I always enjoy hanging out with our guest tonight. Farrell, do you want to introduce our guest? Yeah, yeah. I guess uh, for the second time, we're welcoming back Satonia tonight. So you guys, uh, it was pretty pretty clear by the amount of downloads on that episode that uh, you guys like hearing Suetonia. So we figured we'd bring him back. And pretty relevant because he's got some personal projects that he's kind of started. Uh, and we were going to talk about that tonight anyway. So yeah, welcome back, Suetonia. Yeah, it's nice to be back again. So uh, let's just get right into it here and kind of start with kind of a, what we've been up to lately. So Suetonia, I know uh, I like lately I've been on this nostalgia kick. And, like I want to go fly a uh, uh, blaster Talos from 2012, and then I saw you were streaming and you were flying like a shield cane, which I've also flown recently. So uh, yeah, let, let's hear about your experience flying the 2012 cane. Yeah, I actually had a lot of fun with it. I killed a, I think like a test like 1.5 build Loki that just engaged me on a gate, which was uh, pretty fun. It, it feels like. Uh, Battle cruiser and battleship roaming, uh, with the warp speed changes, which I think you'll talk about later, uh, have like made it a lot more viable. Because like the reason why I didn't fly it before was like you know if you have to roam for forty minutes to get a fight, it feels kind of bad. But then like it since CCP has boosted like the the warp speed of like battleships by fifty percent, and I think combat battle cruisers got boosted by like thirty three percent or something. It means like, you know, it's only like 25 minutes to get a fight. So you're getting like, you know, if you get like four or five fights, let's say in like a two hour period, now you're getting like six or seven. So yeah, it feels really good. For sure. And you're right. We will get into that a little later. Um, anything else you kind of been up to that you wanted to highlight? Uh, yeah, I've uh, sort of opened up a sort of PvP competition. I've also been just flying with Ultra a bunch and killing some uh, supers. Nice. Yeah, I, uh, I've, I've been a little more active now. My real life calmed down a little bit. So since last episode, some of my highlights were uh, I was flying around Roman Pravi. I was just flying a, a like a cheap Kiki, nothing super fancy, no snakes, like, I don't know, 200 mil fit, nothing crazy. And uh, I was kind of roaming around and I found a MOA on a gate. So I, I had a rapier alt that I was like, kept cloaked just just in case so so i was engaging this moa and he was just kind of hugging the gate not really fighting me back and then he kind of made a move and then they warped to jagan so i just burned towards my cloaked rapier and i figured since they brought you know ram jagan my most hated ship i uh i without hesitation decloaked my rapier and while i was burning towards it and then just heated the kiki and and uh targeted up that uh that jag and got the webs on and then melted them. He still got to my Kiki and got a scram, but it was, you know, he got melted before that. So that was fun. Um, I went on a really fun roam with all the guys from Rope Capel. It was, uh, it was 
more than 10. Full disclaimer. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> it was yeah. a micro blob. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We had a phantasm fleet like with Logi and, and some long web support. And man, we went up and like fought a bunch of caps and it was a super well run uh, fight. Like we anchored up for sure. I was dual boxing, so I had my stiletto as well. So I kind of got that uh, manual piloting, you know, feel uh, flying my stiletto around. And then just shooting targets that were called on my phantasm. So it was super fun. We killed tons of stuff, multiple caps, engaged a ton of caps, ton of subs. I uh, was really impressed. And then also uh, my legion that I like, my rapid light uh, cob ops legion. I've been flying that around. Got a couple fragda Ishtar, a couple Ishtars, I think. And I got a cool fight, a 3v1 fight. Um, these dudes, they're renters, I believe. And uh, they kind of saw me, and and then all of a sudden I saw some ravens and a, and a praxis come out come out. So so the the one raven was just all of them were in anoms. So I warped in, decloaked, tackled the one. Of course, the other raven and the praxis warp in, and I just kind of kited around and uh, and managed to kill the one raven. It was not MJD fit. But that was my biggest concern there is fighting with those is uh, the one warped in at range. Like I kind of got spread out and uh, I was concerned about the MJD play, but it didn't come. So I killed the one and the other ones got away. And then my last highlight, this is a big highlight. I've been I've been actually playing the game, you guys. It's amazing. Like I used to before life got uh, super <laughs> So this was last night. I was flying. Uh, we went and fought Horde. It was myself and uh, Omnaria, who's an old court mate of mine from uh, the Chronos Ritual. St stellar pilot. Like, love flying with him. We were both flying Retributions. And then we were joined by uh, AP and uh, another gentleman from Goran Clade, um, Tigger. Tigger was his name? I can't remember the last part of his name. And they were in a Vagabond and a Hakate. So we were doing the typical fighting the standing fleet. Um, lots of stuff happened. Corms came out. These really uh, terrible to fight Lokis that were not web Lokis. They were like sensor booster fit and arty. <laughs> so like they didn't have any, you know, you weren't worried about webs. But if you were already engaged on a hectic grid, then all of a sudden one of these Lokis landed. You just had to be really mindful of your uh, transversal on them. Oh yeah, and then I lost my snakes. <laughs> Rip, Ripperino. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was fun though. I was uh, super excited. I'm feeling good about the game. I'm feeling optimistic. And uh, I mean, yeah, we're gonna get into that um, for the main topic tonight. It's all kind of kind of be about upcoming Eve Vegas. So we'll get into that later. We'll have some predictions and kind of talk about the state of the game, I guess. But first, uh, before we get into that, do you have any highlights, Blood? What have you been up to? Well, unfortunately, um, real life, uh, <laughs> I I was sick for a week and a half. I had a sinus infection, ear infection, and uh, I was pretty floored. So that wasn't fun. And um, and then I also uh, traveled out of town for a funeral, uh, which was about five days. So uh, I've, I've been logging in doing some logistics and stuff, but um, I've either been on the road or in bed. And so have not really done a whole lot other than like logistics and like some market stuff. And um, but yeah, I, I'll, I'm, I'm back and playing and 
Uh, I think as winter sets in fully, I will put on my, you know, extra 15 pounds of ice cream uh, weight and I will uh, enjoy some some pew. So I'm, I'm pretty neck beard engaged is what you're saying. Yes. Oh, 100 percent. So, you know, it's a uh, it's good times. And yeah, I don't I don't know. But like overall, I'm really positive. Um, I feel like there's been two really beneficial changes like recently with sino changes and now warp speed changes like i i just uh these are the kinds of things that i feel like are good um at least for our play style and i would argue that they're hopefully good for the the game as a whole so yeah, it's let's, let's exciting yeah so warp speed changes basically everything what subcapital got buffed and by everything i mean cruisers battle cruisers and battleships right yeah, no changes to anything Desi sized or lower. Yeah, but I mean, it, yeah, I mean, it was warp speed changes to everything subcap that needed warp speed changes. So um, cruisers now warp at four AU a second, battle cruisers at three point five, and battleships at three. And then, of course, bonused uh, holes like um, the uh, Blood Raider Angel Cartel. Well, Angel Cartel uh, will have uh, been a bonus to those warp speeds, so they will zip around. Yeah, it makes those hulls like really interesting looking. I mean, they I already liked them before, but like a dual hyperspatial cinnable is over nine AU now. Yeah, that's that's nuts. Like the I think the issues with cinnables still present that they have some issues with range. Um, in in terms of like using auto cannons and kiting with them, um, or their their tank in shield just isn't always that strong. But um, you know, before I always put like one hyperspatial on, and now, uh, you know, you could either go full hyperspatial to to get that extra boost, or you just now have a much higher base warp speed that you don't actually you can put more tank in or things like that. So. I don't know. I I think people are going to use the Cinnable temporarily. Uh, I think the the biggest things are really like battle cruiser changes, like speed changes, because I think with the Sino changes, you can really fly around bigger ships now, um, a little bit more actively, and being able to move and cover more space with those bigger ships gives you a lot more options and you know ability to engage in different stuff, and that's the fun. Like that's where fun comes in. And it's not just about like efficiency or whatever. Yeah, I kind of, I guess you could classify this change as one of those ones people mention as low hanging fruit, right? It's like a, a pretty easy change, I imagine. Um, that, you know, if if it is overdone, then maybe they'll tune it back. I don't know, but hopefully not. It 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 really buffs roaming when it comes down to it, right? It's yeah. they also the one change that went along with this is they changed the autopilot distance. It's now 10, 10 kilometers instead of 15 when you're autopiloting, which is nice because it makes it easier to get around. And that's a general theme of this change. It makes it easier to get around. But in doing that, it, it's buffing roaming because in those phantasms that was post change, the phantasm fleet I mentioned, we burned like 22 jumps for that fight and then home. And that those 22 jumps were way faster felt way faster than normal and and it's just it's a night and really nice change like i really appreciate it 
Yeah, it's like you'd never really think about the difference between you know, a one AU per second difference until you've gone fifty six jumps <laughs> in a battle cruiser. Like then you then you start to realize that's thirty minutes difference, you know, or something like that. Yeah, or, um, or ten jumps in venal. Fuck, warp distances in <laughs> venal can fuck off. Yeah, yeah. It, it it's also uh, kind of like a it like swings the advantage a bit more towards the Romas too. Because uh, you know, like no blocks already had like answer black skates, they already had uh, like Titan jump bridges, as well as just you know, capitals like a jump. But now with the warp speed changes, like Romans can get around a bit faster too. And then if they bring their own like battleships, battle cruisers, and that's at least not caps, and they're like more interesting to fight. Yeah, exactly. It, it does play on that dynamic too, and uh, it. It's 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 interesting because it's a, a buff to the roamers, like you say, but it's also in, increases the the null blobs, the, the the empire builders' responses. That you know their warp speed is still increased as well. So hopefully now we'll be able to drag them out a little further. Maybe maybe they'll chase a little harder rather than just like you say using Anzablexes or 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 Titan bridging onto ganks. Um, hopefully, because I think that gameplay is interesting. I think um, out of, like, all the ships that kind of really benefit, I think the Macario is, like, the one for roaming that you'll get the best use out of because it's not only getting those base boosts, but then it's getting additional uh, warp speed from being an Angel Cartel ship, right? You throw, like, two hyperspatials on there, and then you're moving, what, like, 5.5 AU a second or something? And unlike the Cinnable, like the Mercurial can tank well, it can project super well, like it's fast, you know. Um, and so y- you put one Mercurial into a group of five people and you now have the ability to kill some much bigger things, which I think is, I think like that is what I'm looking for as the the pinnacle ship uh, to, to benefit from these changes, yeah, at I, least for our play style. I, I kind of agree. I really like that. It feels like uh, at least, I don't know about you guys, but almost every battleship that I've flown in like the past two years has like always had like at least two hyperspatials on it, and almost like half of the battle cruisers that I've flown have also had like one hyperspatial on it. So at the very least, you kind of can fit more like combat stuff on battleships and battle cruisers too, like in regards to the rigs. Yeah, like every battle cruiser I ever flew, it was it was always one hyperspatial one damage rig and one uh tank rig or or like polycarbon like that was the setup i did for every single battle cruiser it didn't matter if it was a cyclone or a hurricane or or you know a harbinger it was always like one hyperspatial by default one damage and then i would look at okay what's my last slot for you know and uh yeah and it, it wasn't because i was trying to make it faster than things that were going to pursue me, you know, like other battle cruisers wouldn't warp as fast as me. And so I could get away. No, it was 100% just quality of life. Like I can warp two places a little bit faster and save myself time. So, yeah. And also because when you're in a, uh, like a nano gang, like as a battle cruiser, I'll use the example of, of the, the scorch Oracle, like the dual LSE scorch Oracle. It kind of sucks when you're slowing your gang down for like those 20 jumps between things you know now you're 
the rest of your gang who are in like maybe cruisers, desis, some scepters, like the scepters can go out in front, but you don't really want to leave your, your, your scorch Oracle, like two jumps behind. He's just going to get tackled by a frig and lit up. Yeah. Or if you're flying, like I flew hurricane fleet issues a lot because it would have two links that would provide boosts to my, my group. But then if I was four jumps behind them and they start engaging, that didn't help at all. Um, also, I just looked at the material, actually simulated it, because I just threw out like 5.5 AU as some random thing. Now, with one T2 hyperspatial, it gets 5.6 AU a second. Yeah, and with it's, two, it's, sick, it's 6.8. Like, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to move around faster than most cruisers. Yeah, it's 4.5 base, so. Yeah. Yeah, That's with legit. just one T2, you're faster than like a Ram Jag because like Tech 2 frigates will be 5.5 that aren't like interceptors and covert ops, right? Yeah. So, like, I mean, it'll it'll still kind of like balance out with your acceleration and your agility to get into warp, but on longer warps, you'll be out warping cruisers. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. It's nice because, like, you brought up the Ram Jag, and it's nice because it it closed the gap a lot between the bigger ships and the the frigates right like an interceptor is still going to warp faster than tons of things that's true but when it comes to afs and destroyers and things like that yeah like it, the gap is a lot shorter now and if you specialize a larger ship especially one bonus to to warp speed you're going to start exceeding them by a fair amount which is i think it's good game design in my opinion I mean, um, even uh, even a battle cruiser with like one hyperspatial now comes like you know like a Jagger's only gaining on you at like one AU a second. Yeah, and that yeah. might give you the flexibility to actually like engage that Jag, pick things off, you know, start messing with the gang. Like, of course, interceptors are going to warp fast, but that's their role. Like, that is their design. That's their job. You know. Um, and so by, yeah, like Pharaoh was saying, by narrowing that gap, you are going to have more flexibility. Yep. I was looking just, just for fun. I was like, Pypha worrying a, uh, a fleet concept of like hyperspatial cinnables and support ships that would all do at least eight, eight AU. And like, I don't know, maybe it, maybe it'd be fun, like uh, ripping through a pocket, just like, not a pipe like something with a lot of gates around it and just like being everywhere at once essentially it'd be kind of fun you could run like hyper scalpels and hyper sabers with a couple <laughs> interceptors and some cinnables like i, I don't know say, dude at that point the hardest part is getting like a scimitar to keep up with a cinnable <laughs> like <laughs> yeah right that's, that's why i said scalpels you could do a semi uh, if you wanted but like a max hyper semi Oh, anyway, people are probably like yelling at me right now, but fuck it, it'd be fun. It'd be pretty, pretty good times. Yeah, and all the Tech Two holes have like I think plus zero point five over the Tech One holes now, instead of just being. I think it's like it was like twenty percent extra before, but it like had like a lot of weird numbers. Whereas now it feels like you know a lot easier to explain. It also makes me feel uh, a lot better about maybe flying like uh, a command like, ship. Like a Marauder? <laughs> yeah, Marauders are crazy now since they will put like 3.5 AU a second. Yeah, right? It's pretty sweet. And like you say, command ships as well. Like, it's pretty cool. 
Yeah, like yeah. a Slepner now warps the same speed as uh, a cruiser, like 4.0 AU a second. I think if you just threw like a hyperspatial on one, like even a tech one hyperspatial, suddenly you're looking at, well, with a tech two, you're, you warp at the same speed as a normal frigate. Which makes it like a makes me feel like you know Slepnir or like some weird rail Astarte or something would be like a lot more viable. Yeah, it's a small small change, but it's a huge change, right? And I I really feel like uh, the meta in, in small game gameplay should really it needs to slow down a little bit. And I mean, I don't mean that like everything has to get slower, but in this case, these bigger ships are being made faster warping. So it's it's effectively like making it even between or more even between smaller and larger ships. So um, in, in a sense, that will help slow down the meta just by the nature of larger ships being more viable. Right. So, yeah, we'll see how it goes. It's interesting. I, I definitely really like it. Um, yeah, like two huge thumbs up. Thank you, CCP. Thank you so much. You guys got anything else to add on the, the hyper changes? No, nah, I'm, I, I'm just. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I think a lot of us are excited too, just because of the like quality of life aspect of it. Not necessarily like like if CCP just boosted like everything flat by twenty percent or something, like it would still be something that really excites us. Because like you know, like the biggest problem for me flying things like battleships and combat battle cruisers is just like the time to get content. Like if you have to go like fifteen jumps in a battleship, it, it you know you're looking at like twenty twenty five minutes, especially if you have to like ping in some systems. It could like drag on, but with like an extra fifty percent warp speed on Tech One battleships, it just makes it like a lot more viable. Yeah, and really, you look at the price of T One battleships. So like, let's take a Tempest or a Hype, right, and compare the price of a fitted Tempest or Hype to like a Kiki that everyone's flying right now. Like, man, it. it you know, it's very competitive in in that price to performance. You know, especially now, like you mentioned, with the increased warp speed. Let's let's see, guys. Yeah. Like, get out there in Roman battleships and battle cruisers, and you know, I mean, I I took my my legion out. My legion, I normally fit two hyperspatials on it, so it now warps over six AU a second with uh like while I'm out and about roaming around, and it it's so nice. It feels like a, a fr crazy fast cov ops assault frigate like it's super fun i mean it now it used to even with two hyperspatials now without them it feels like that but with them it's yeah it's crazy it's so much nicer but i guess we'll uh we'll get into the big show poll uh first off i want to like thank all the people in our discord channel because we had 42 votes in this show poll which is uh there's like over 100 of us in the discord so you know, we're, we're pushing like pretty high voting numbers, which is awesome. So the question we asked this week, this is the first week I haven't had to redo a show poll shortly after posting. So yay me. <laughs> well, there's only been two show polls. Like, yeah, there's been two so, shows. So I mean, uh, you know, 50%. Uh... <laughs> this is the third. The other two I had to. So uh, so the question we asked and uh, is, is about WoW Classic. Uh, you know, we've heard a lot in the general Eve news, like, or just maybe your your courtmates saying that like Eve Classic was a large contributor to the uh, decrease in in Eve players lately. So I wanted to ask everyone, like, what's your experience with WoW Classic? And the four choices were: I didn't play WoW Classic at all. I tried it, but I've since stopped and I'm actively playing Eve again. 
the third one is I love it. What's an Eve online? And then the fourth is I'm still dabbling in classic, but I'm also playing Eve. I this like super surprised me because the results of this vote were 86%. I didn't play WoW Classic at all. I don't know. I like I heard this so many times from so many different people like, oh, WoW Classic is a large reason, you know, it's blackout as well, but also WoW Classic. And I don't know, I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say that there's two reasons. One is maybe small gangers are uh, like more inclined to just like take the punishment and not play their games. They like want to make Eve great. I don't know. There's that. And then the other side of it is that since we're a pretty new podcast, maybe like the people that found us, that discovered us, and then have since joined the Discord, um, you know, maybe they're just more in tune with Eve right now and and want to play it more. So those type of people are less inclined to try a new game. I don't know. What do you guys think about the results? Because like literally it was a landslide for I didn't even play WoW Classic at all. I, I think there's two main things. I think our the people that are hanging out in the Discord are primarily small gangers. And the small gang PvP is much more akin to like arenas. There's there's just not as much overlap into WoW Classic in the form that it currently is, you know? Um and so I, I think there's maybe not as much overlap. And then the other part is it's a relatively small sample size, right? So I think like say you take this the same um poll and you distribute it to all of goon swarm i think you might get a very different distribution just because there might be more overlap as well among the player base of you know a large large group alliance that has a lot more diversity uh you know as as compared to just our discord uh chat which is you know very focused on one specific style of gameplay like also i I think if you asked you know people in our discord how many people play uh, escape from tarkov or like rainbow six siege like something that's a little bit more harsh um i think you might have more overlap among those players you know than uh than you would of them playing wow classic yeah, it's a fair assumption to make. I don't know. Suetonia, did many people in your social circle try WoW Classic? Uh, not too many from like Volta, but a lot more from sort of like e- the Eve casual discords that I'm in. So I think it's, yeah, I think it like you can't really get like the same kind of PvP as you ca- can in Eve and WoW. So that people who are like currently sort of in tune with like small gang or, you know, like roaming probably aren't going to jump ship. I think also, uh, like, the PvP patch for Classic World doesn't come out until, like, the next phase or whatever, right? So there's, like, no point in PvPing now. So, like, people who are, like, purely interested in PvP are probably not going to join it. Well, I guess, uh, yeah. Small gangers don't like WoW Classic. That's that's what what our poll time is. I mean, I don't know. It's just, yeah. Might be a little harsh, but I just, yeah. I mean, it's good, good, good news for our Discord. <laughs> it means yeah. the people I, hanging out I aren't going anywhere. <laughs> I personally tried it, but uh, like I played until Wrath of the Lich King back in the day, so I wanted to give it a go. 
And I kind of like played both at the same time with much reduced time. But uh, homie Lasker Emmanuel, the, the content creator, he joined our Discord and he was saying he, he tried it as well. But the reason he quit was to do with the whole um, the the banned Hearthstone player. Oh yeah, so the the, the cancel Blizzard essentially and like uh, boycott Activision. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But he but he seemed like he was into it and stuff. And yeah, I don't know. Anyway, that's WoW Classic. That's enough of that shit. Yeah, the <laughs> the sign of changes like came out like two weeks after WoW Classic too. I know a lot of people who went to WoW Classic then kind of like came back over to Eve like since they announced the sign of changes. Yeah, it's like the classic like breakneck when you're driving by and you see a you know someone attractive on the side of the road and you like do the breakneck. That's what everyone did when they went to Wild Classic and came back for Sino changes. <laughs> okay, well uh, that's the show poll. We're going to get right into our main topic after this commercial break. The following is a sponsorship message brought to you by the CSM Notes and one anonymous donator from the Less Than 10 Discord channel. Aerith asks Dunk Dinkle if he would engage 20 Slepnirs in 20 Thoraxes. He would come out isk positive by just killing three of them. Dunk Dinkle doesn't want that. He wants the hostiles to get the hell out of his system. Well, we're going to get into our major topic now, guys, which is... Oof. Eve Vegas predictions. Eve Vegas, always a time of uh, announcements from CCP. Uh, CCP Rise is going to be there talking about a big uh, game gameplay update on Saturday. And then there's the, you know, the big keynote on Friday. Those are what I'm looking forward to. I'm not going to be there. Um, just full disclaimer, guys. Right now it's Wednesday before Eve Vegas. So this episode is going to release mid Eve Vegas. So... It's already happened, but we are making predictions and talking about what we think is going to happen today. So, you know, you'll be able, you'll as you hear this, you'll probably laugh at our incorrectness or maybe uh, maybe one of us will be spot on. Who knows? OK, so let's jump into like predictions and so we can start with like some obvious ones. Hobo leaks. There's been some stuff. Um, for instance, the Triglavian Dreadnought, we know it exists in the database. So I'm going to say that they're going to talk about it at Eve Vegas. <laughs> now, I don't know which presentation, but I'm you know I'm going to say that that is going to be a topic that comes up at Eve Vegas. And like they have stats on this ship, and part of me looked at these stats and was like, "All right, this is just a giant troll. Like CCP is trolling us." via hobo leaks these are not real stats because off the top of my head it was like tankier than a revelation like more volley than anything else way more damage than anything else like blaster moros tracking like it, like silly stats like just silly plus it retains that bonus to the utility highs like cap use and blah 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 so you could you know you know, have some useful highs because I think it has it was three highs, I believe, right? Like, so you got your siege module, your turret, and then you have one utility high. Is that correct? Yeah, so it doesn't necessarily have more utility highs than the normal uh dreadnought has, 
but it does have like the bonus like to like new cap consumption so it'd be like really easy to run like permanently run like a new on it but you could also have like remote rep or smart bomb or something weird as well if it was like supporting like a sub cap fleet yeah. yeah but it's only going to have one turret so that's where the the extra you know in in terms of available utility highs it has more than yeah. most treads but I don't know. What do you what do you guys think? Do you think those stats are are actually going to come out as as the real stats? I mean, I understand it's a faction dread. So, it's going to be rare. I think the tracking is in line with the Triglavian theme. Um, if you look at all of the Triglavian turrets, they all have better tracking than blasters of the equivalent size. But I would guess the tank might be tweaked a little bit or something along those lines. Um. Uh, I don't know. So, like, it could be placeholder stuff, but that's probably... I, I think it's probably their their baseline. These are the stats that, like, they want to start with, and then they'll make adjustments from there. Yeah, the stats are placeholder right now, and uh, I know I know there's... Uh, I think Kadesh posted a, like, updated Pytha. Not sure if you guys uh, have that and you've played around with it. According to him, they're set to like their flag is like not published right now, which means that they're probably going to change the stats on them. But yeah, it looks pretty crazy, especially for uh, like people who rat in like C fives and C sixes with dreads, because uh, in a magnetar, I think you can get like eighty k DPS on one with like mid grade mimesis implants. Oh, oh my god! That's yeah, that'd be crazy. Cool, yeah, but also like. I think it's important you mentioned wormholes because I think that's where these would be the most significant. I'm not a C5 armor brawl type kind of player, but uh, when you have that mass limiting feature in, in brawls, you know, and one of these can spool up on a, a triage effects uh, and, you know, effectively wreck it by itself. Yeah. Like uh, a, a ma like a trick, like a, the trick dread at max spool can probably like, break most like non pin faxes just by itself then if you can just like maybe bring in like a, a nag and like some lush and balgons with it or something then it, it's more dps than if you were bringing like max dreadnoughts through all right and then the other stuff that we saw on hobo leaks was some placeholders for interesting structures there's there's a concord observatory and a what was the other thing uh a tracking program type thing astro navigational yeah, it... tracking program so what, what do you guys get from this i could probably make my speculations but i'd like to hear yours well my uh well i saw the concord observatory it might just be like some new thing there's a lot of like mpe related stuff on the hobo leaks so it could just be like a new structure that's in like, you know, just an NPC structure that's in like some mission somewhere in the new tutorial or whatever the new MPE stuff's going to be for. But it, it could also be maybe like, a, like a more like a, a new like blackout thing where like CCP takes away local from NOSEC and then you can like buy or obtain these Concord observation arrays somehow anchor them to like restore like the local functionality but they could like get attacked by players or something or like shut down by players 
Yeah, for sure. And um, I mean, so CCP Rise's talk on the schedule is is listed as uh, CCP Rise discusses ships, modules, structures, and more in this talk focused on Eve's core gameplay for established players. So I think from that description, I take the keyword as established. So that would tell me that structures, that there's talk about structures for established players. So hopefully those hobo leaks things are kind of linked to the description. Maybe I'm reaching and, and we're going to learn some things about structures that give back some of the function of local in a blackout state. Um, we'll see. I, I, I like blackout, right? I would, I think that'd be cool, especially if it's disruptible, um, to a point, uh, we'll see how it goes, but, but that would definitely be cool. I think that there is, it's going to be mostly focused on balance things. So, um, we're going to see some stats changes on some ships. Like I'm really hoping a Jaguar nerf is going to come during that presentation and a few other things, but, um, that's what I think. I feel like the the core uh, principle of that presentation is going to be around balance changes. Yeah, it mentions modules, and we haven't seen like any hint of modules yet. So yeah, and, like tier side, like we know that tier side was something that we like. You know, it, it should have been continued, or it's it's not fully through the process. There's still room for tier side to continue. That'd be pretty sweet. Yeah, I I think that was a good time in Eve when tier side was happening and all the the ship balances and things that went with it. Um, I'd love to see some of that continue and and things like the jag nerf. I would love to see the jag be nerfed, um, as well as even if there are no new structures coming, um, structure changes balanced around those structures because we've talked about on this show before about what we what we think about structures. Um, you know, uh, I can't remember what episode it was, but the one where I think I titled it, it gets pretty dark. The one where blood and I like rant pretty hard. <laughs> and, and, um, yep. we, I think we, we brought up a point that we called, uh, the three C's and the three, three C's for, stood for changes to Sinos and capitals or sorry, Sinos, Sinos and Citadels. Citadels. Yeah. Those were the three C's. So we've already seen changes to Sinos. Um, we haven't really seen changes to capitals since then. I don't think it was after the the nerfs, but um, you know, those are the that C is at the bottom of my priority. The next one is citadels, so we'll see. Maybe we maybe we had uh, some predictions back then that are going to work out. Well, I mean, not taking credit because a lot of people had the exact same predictions. You know, one thing I think is interesting, so on Saturday, they have an hour for presentation for Eve Echoes, which is the mobile game CCP's been working on. But there's nothing about Project Legion, which was the PC shooter. Um, but I know last year they had like a working demo that people were playing and seemed to enjoy. Uh, I, I'm hoping we'll see some of that in the keynote and maybe an update around that, because I think the mobile game is kind of hilarious uh i i wouldn't really play it but <laughs> so it's just kind of interesting that the that's the the priority project uh you know but this goes back to like ccp as a company doing stuff with vr and and doing you know dust 514 and stuff like that it's always been 
odd to me, like to see what their side projects are and how they prioritize them is always weird. <laughs> so I don't know. Well, it's it's on the docket for them definitely to talk about the mobile game. I would like to see them talk about their their shooter platform. Um, so I think that'll be in the keynote, probably like a five minute little snippet on here's an update of where we're at. Yeah, and also uh, sort of like just after the Eve Core gameplay update, which is like the first session on Saturday, CCP has a a session called the Eve Variety Hour, which is mostly talking about like future stuff, which makes me feel like the Eve Core gameplay update is going to be more about like balancing chips, etc. Rather than, you know, stuff that's like experimental they're going to implement in the future. Cool. And then on Sunday, they have data and botting with Larkin. Um, it says in the description, a dive into some of the data that makes New Eden a living, breathing world that it is. Which, it's like the description doesn't say anything specific about botting, <laughs> but uh, that's like, I hope we're going to see, like I said, some uh, hard data around how Blackout actually affected things or botting as a whole um i don't think it's really gonna happen this year at e-vegas but i'm hoping that in the next 12 months there will be a a rework of the pve system to some degree that pushes uh, botting away or makes botting far more difficult um i think that is like paramount to eliminating or reducing botting is just uh like local is like a hard hammer um but i think revamping pve and nullsec is a, m- a more elegant solution yeah cause the, the pve and eve is really weird right where it's like almost exclusively focused around just solo players mostly and like even like the only thing that people really run like with multiple people are like right now are basically like satoyus and maybe like high end wormholes for people who like aren't multi-boxing them like well, most of the time it's just like a solo thing the incursion community used to be really good um used to be very active and it's it's dead to my knowledge uh i was in i went into the valhall project which was one of the bigger incursion groups i went into their channel the other day to see if there was anything and like it's there's no one there there's no fleet nothing like um and it's kind of weird because, like, a lot of Eve's PVE gameplay is very, like, repetitive and monotonous, which makes it prime for automation. But it's also just that it's static. Uh, that's one of the big... Because you don't you don't see bots running DD sites. You, you don't see bots, you know, going... To, and it's not to say it's not possible, but it, it takes movement. It take It's not as repetitive or, um, you know... Uh, reproducible in a consistent manner like it is for anoms um you don't see as many bots in wormholes you i'm trying to think if there's any like uh incursions i think on the low end where they were like uh vanguards where you could do them with like six there was some i uh, this was back a long time ago when is boxer was legal there was some like is boxers that it was assumed was like botting but um it's because you could like highly optimize those situations in pve 
and you didn't really see that with the 40 man fleets you know it would take 40 accounts and stuff so um i think like that's a, a if you're not going to re- remove local right which i don't know i kind of it's it's weird with how blackout resolved and the, them bringing local back but so if if you're not going to remove local then i think the other thing you have to look at is reworking pve so that it's not going to be as viable for a, a for automation i think reworking pve is kind of like a, a two birds with one stone as well because any reworked pve you could argue also increases player retention because a lot of those new players or returning players that maybe haven't found their group almost rely on pve for the initial hook right before they encounter and I, something and they br- and they branch out i don't know but i think i that's agree with also- you you can you could say that they've been working toward that with the more complex AI that are involved with the Satoyos and, and the the different outpost structures, then abyssals and and some of those mechanics with the AOE effect statuses and things. Like I feel like you could say they've been working towards that. Oh, and the events that they that they do periodically. But as far as implementation and reworking that static process that exists that's you know i i think we're still a ways from that so that's why i'm like saying 12 months we'll have an announcement but i don't think it's going to happen at e-vegas this year that's my hope at least i, I would love i don't know it could also be five years from now <laughs> you know yeah, they, I mean, they're, they're reworking the, the mp so hopefully uh they're looking at like you know early game pve and Cause it, it feels like a lot of people are sort of like pressured to join like big alliances like Horde, Goon Swarm, Brave, and Test, etc. And then they're just like orbiting an anomaly in a next Navy issue or a Myrmidon now, right? Where they don't they press like five keys every thirty minutes. Dude, everyone everyone says like, wow, all these new player groups and Nullsec have done a great job uh, at promoting E for new players and showing these new players the ropes. And that's true to a, a degree. I 100% agree. But I also think the gameplay that those groups have grown into is not good for retaining players. I don't know. Or maybe retaining the type of players I think should play EVE. Because like, what hooked me in EVE was like challenge and and the the hooks of, you know, of achieving my goals. And like those goals weren't a flashing wallet or a huge ship in my hangar that I had to be told when I could undock or, or if I fit it wrong, if I fit it differently than what, you know, my boss tells me to, they're going to fucking blow it up. Like, and those are realities in, in these groups. So, you know, when people use that argument, like I said, I agree to a degree, but also like this is Eve and holding people's hands doesn't necessarily build players who should be even be really like playing Eve because I don't know, that sounds very harsh, but I I just really dislike that way to play the game, you know, spinning an anom and watching Netflix. Like, yeah, I I think, uh, I think it was CCP ghost had a presentation at Evesterdam about like player retention and like joining a corp massively boosts retention 
but then once you get once that corp gets over like a hundred players, it like drops off quite Interesting. massively. Which I think I think that's like true in real life too, right? Like if you join, if you have a job and there's like only like hundred other people there, you know, you kind of know everyone's name. Whereas like you know, if you're like in in like a company that has like five thousand employees, like you don't know, like you don't even know like five percent of the people there. Yeah, and you probably don't feel like your efforts affect the overall goals of the company as much either, right? You probably don't see your efforts as much, um, which I, I believe that also translates to the my same analogy, right? Where it's the old uh, cog in the wheel, right? Well, if, if you're going to be one cog in a machine, you're going to feel better about it when that machine is small and there's only so many other cogs around you. Yeah, and like, I, I think, you know, fitting, in, fitting into EVE and continue playing it like it's about like finding a role and you know like being recognized for something i guess and like when you're in like you know goon swarm and you're like member 2962 and you don't even know like one percent of the people in your like alliance like no one knows who you are if you know what i mean you're just like a faceless person there Whereas if you join, like, I don't know, like a small group, like, it's not about being good or anything like that. You know, if you're the, if you're like one of the guys who always tries a saver, like you quickly sort of, you know, become that guy and you sort of fit into your corp. Yeah, absolutely. And like, I'm happy that CCP wants to address a lot of the new player experience because it, it's important, frankly. Like, it's super important to have more of the thousands of people that try Eve. We want to keep them. We want to have New Eden, have more activity, more people that is beneficial for literally every single play style there is. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I'm all I'm all about it. I just hope it it works. And I hope we kind of get away from the mentality of tell all your friends who join Eve to go join one of the null set groups immediately because they'll help them out by you know, all the, the services they have. Um, I think there's there's other viable things as well. So hopefully CCP works to make those other things more viable. We'll see. Yeah, I do look forward to CCP Ghost has a presentation this time uh, as well. His is called the Eve Friendship Machine, where he's going to be talking about um, p player behavior and kind of like it, the so the description says, uh, join CCP Ghost as we take a dive into the data surrounding player behavior and what makes the greatest community in online gaming. So, but uh, from his presentations before, he he really focuses on like uh, his his presentations usually are about behavior and like how uh, how to structure like you know new player content or or structure different things to encourage behavior towards retaining or towards staying more passionate. Um, so it'll be kind of interesting to, to see what his presentation entails and like what changes are coming down the pipeline for new player content. Cause they've iterated on it like six or seven times over the last two years, I think so, three, two or three years. Um, so it's like they're refining their new player direction and the tools that are available. Um, and I think those have all been good, yet small changes that we don't always see as visibly. So it'll be, it'll be cool to take a peek at what's coming with that.
yeah, any, I guess uh, I guess we made some predictions. Um, kind of the general theme, no like hard predictions, like uh, you know, medium auto cannons are gonna get buffed. <laughs> Nothing like that. But uh, hey, I think maybe medium auto cannons should get buffed. Dude, I, don't know. I said the jag is gonna get nerfed. I, oh, that's like, true. The speed, the speed of the jag is gonna get nerfed. That's my prediction. Uh, I'm like calling it right now. CCP Rise is gonna walk out, and the first slide of his presentation is gonna be a jaguar, and it's just gonna have like a ban hammer on it. I can only hope. Right. All right. Well, uh, let's let's move on uh, to our last minor topic, which which is just kind of like a general small gang community. Uh, just like we're gonna highlight some in-game stuff that's happening, some news, and and kind of just chat about it. So the first one. We're just gonna pass over to Setonia to talk about his uh, his event PVP event that uh, was posted up on the Evo forums recently. So there'll be a link to the that thread in the show notes. But uh, Setonia, take it away. Uh, yeah. So I wanted to kind of uh, host an event uh, this year. It was gonna be like a small scale tournament, but because of the state of Thunderdome, it just wasn't really viable, unfortunately. But I still had like a lot of like the ISK and prizes set aside. So I started to do like an open community PvP gang event instead. And what I really wanted to like see is like more sort of like videos with commentary and just like old school e videos because it seems like there's like a, f- a lot less of them now. And so uh, the theme of the event is like angel cartel ships. You don't have to like sign up or anything, you can just like. You just post like a video in the uh, thread, or like, e- e- like if you can't post on the forums because you're banned or for whatever reason, you can mail it to a character that's posted in there. But the the theme of the event is like angel cartel and apprenticeships. So all you have to do is just you know like take out like a dram, cinnabol, macario. Perfect time now too if the wolf speed changes right, or you know one of the apprenticeships and record yourself in PvP. There's also like a, a solo. Uh, like the top soloer competition as well that starts on the 1st of November though just to make it like way way easier for me because it's like hard to get the stats on Z-Kill unless it's like specifically for that month but all you have to do is just fly one of those ships and whoever's the like the top solo PvP killer will get a uh, angel skin that's pretty cool yeah and there's there's lots of cool bonus categories so like what one that i liked is the uh, the not your average noob category, which which is pretty cute, and the the prize is a, a skill injector, which is nice. And then the uh, there's some really like well, there's big noob detected, uh, the <laughs> the one with the funniest chat log. Like there's some really unique bonus categories there that are kind of fun. And and if you're not like the most elite top tier video. R- you know, maker type player. Uh, there's lots of stuff for here for you too. You know, funniest chat log is good. I I could probably win that if I tried hard enough. Yeah, and like so far, there's 20 billion Niskin prizes, and like I know CCP Dopamine has reached out to me. They said he would like maybe try and help me out after Vegas, so there there could be like some more stuff in there too. So real quick with like that main categories with the videos, uh, is it solo or small gang included? Is it it's just specific like use the ships, right? It's mostly just specific use the ship, 
like it's, it's like and it can be like small gang too like you can be small gang in like a macario and like have like four other people with you that's fine yeah okay that's what i was like curious because like that i think is sounds super fun and um whereas like a vindicator might lend itself more towards like a, a solo fight you know um something like that it'd be kind of cool Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I'm probably gonna go buy like a couple Macarials and then like Vigilant Cinnable and start getting some interesting fits going <laughs> to play around with and and record and stuff just for fun. Like I think things like this remind me of events like One Man Crew or um, I'm trying to think there was. There were there's there's been a few different I don't even want to call them competitions, right? They're they're like these really cool collaborative events to inspire solo or small gang PvP creators. And I think that's like really, really cool. Um I think that's always it creates like some really interesting content. You always end up at some point in those videos and stuff you see some really like off meta stuff or some really interesting things um and it always kind of inspires me by the end of it to like think outside the box a little bit the next time i go pvp yeah i'm hoping this works out like kind of well because it's definitely something that like especially like ccp dopamine reached out to me with like some support and i think if like there's like a bit of like ccp uh like social media help and uh like maybe like some just like skins or something that they can give to people then it would be pretty cool like maybe you can yeah. do like a, a different theme like battleships or like blood raiders or something or just get people to fly like weird stuff like navy battleships or... that'd be interesting i don't navy battleships are one of those things that it's they're in this weird area and a lot of it has to do with price uh it's like I don't know. Oh, yeah, pirate battleship. <laughs> you know? uh, oh, yeah, uh, like they're just oh, they're cheaper. cheaper so it's yeah. There's never really a reason to spend the extra money on a an, on a navy ship. And it, but the the question is, well, would you if you wanted to try and change that, right? Do you try to affect faction warfare so that the prices of those ships come down? Do you try to affect balance of those ships so they're more desirable? Like, which which lever do you tweak, right? And that's the that's the tough question to answer to to make them viable. Um, or or do you make you know do you tweak the levers around how pirate ships are acquired and to make them more expensive? Like, that's uh, you know I don't know. It's and then that runs the risk of just that creates issues with discouraging the use of pirate ships, which I really enjoy flying nightmares and materials. I think they're super dope. And, you know, Balgorns being extremely cheap is awesome. So um, <laughs> it's just like, yeah, those are the questions for developers to work on. <laughs> yeah, I've seen some like weird, like cool suggestions to like, uh, you know, like how the pacifier works. Like, oh, you know, the, the Concord line where you get, like, more stats based on your security status. 
yeah, yeah. like if CCP made them like get like more stats based on like your faction standings to that faction, oh, then be... you could make them uh, like a lot more powerful without them being like OP for blobs because like people in goons aren't gonna go and run like you know Galanti missions or something. So yeah, yeah, huh? That'd be pretty interesting. Would you do you think you try to carry that over into the pirate line too, so that people would? be more incentivized to at some point like you know run angel missions if they want to get better stats from their mercurial or like <laughs> uh, it's kind of kind of a weird thing but i think they can like maybe use the navy battleships to like experiment with that so i think you yeah. can you have like some room i think to make them like a lot more powerful without like making them like really broken for like big fleets and big gangs kind of like you know abyssal mods where like they're mostly yeah. used by like solo small gang people and like big alliances don't really use them yeah the the focus is more on an individual level and then at at scale they don't have that same kind of effect uh to to the same degree that'd be pretty interesting i've also seen other people suggest like uh like having like bonuses to like specific named modules it's like a navy geddon would get like bonuses to like all the imperial navy weapons and items and shit so you'd get like i don't know like 10 percent more from an imperial navy heat sink or something which would make them like fairly interesting for ferry crafting i guess but yeah. it wouldn't help out with the price at all no <laughs> well all right so some other things that happened um was one I wanted to talk about this. So there was a thread, and I had I had seen this on Zkill, and there was a pilot um, that had been using a fiend in uh, abyssal PvP space a little bit, uh, which is man, that is a that's a, that's a boss play right there. Like that is ballsy. Really? So here's my thing. I actually think it's one of the safer places to use a, an AT ship because you know that you can't get turbo blobbed. Like, at most, you're going to face one person, right? Yeah, but if you disconnect, your ship's dead. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that sucks. But you could probably get it reimbursed. Uh, I, right? I had a disconnect in the Abyss, and CCP told me no when I tried to reimburse it. Uh, CCP are pretty stingy when it comes to, like, Abyssal losses. So, But it's an AT ship. Like, I don't know. I feel like you throw enough of a fit, they'll reimburse it. I mean... Like, Casper lost an imp to a disconnect to the Navy. Casper 24 lost, I think, an imp to NPCs because he got DC'd in the system while he was minus 10 and they didn't reimburse it. Ouch. Interesting. Yeah, so I wanted to mention it because, okay, so this could be a huge ruse. I don't know these guys personally, but uh, there was a thread on Reddit, we'll link it in the show notes, of the person, the opponent in the site saying, this is what happened. But because uh, they ended up dying to environments, there's no kill mail generator, or at least a kill mail with, with the player on it. So uh, the the pilot of the AT ship would have received the loss mail, but it's not actually posted to Z-Kill like a normal losses. Um, and he commented in the Reddit posts saying like, yeah, it happened. It was a shame it happened this way kind of thing. Uh, it would have been cool to lose it like in an actual fight, but you know, not never. Nonetheless, no kill mail was posted, so it could be a, a a big ruse. I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you think it's true? I think it's real, mainly because I recognize that player name, uh, that character name, and I'm pretty sure he was taking the fiend into abyssals 
and fighting people. I'm pretty sure I, I saw it in like one of Gustav Manfred's videos. Like he ran into the fiend pilot at one point and like died to him. Yeah, I mean, I've seen kill mails from the fiend killing other ships, so he's definitely going in there. Like, anyway, it's just interesting. It's a, it's a very, I don't know. I think it's a good way to use an AT ship. Like, bravo, good. I, I love when people undock them. But if I had one of those AT ships, specifically a hack, I think the the abyssal space, like other than disconnects, is probably one of the safer places. Um, like what I'm surprised by. So I'm not surprised that the Iki Tursa couldn't break the fiend. Fiends have insane tanks, but I would I was kind of surprised them saying in the thread that they couldn't break each other, and I'm wondering if that's just because of like the EM damage lock of the fiend and like a reactive armor hardener of the Iki Tursa eventually cycling so he could tank it fully. Like that's that's my curiosity because fiends put out a pretty insane amount of damage and they he, you know he shouldn't have any issue tracking so I, I think one big thing to note on this is i i totally agree, agree with you reactive plus good resists against the fiend's damage but a common uh way to mess with reactives in abyssal space i believe is by drones. the use of drones and and it's worth noting the fiend has no drones at all so yep it, you literally saying, like, once it's spooled up you're pretty boned unless you literally what i don't i can't i don't recall how long it takes for the the reactive to like i think if you don't shoot it it slowly goes back does it not no, no. it's like until you like reset it yourself or, by like yeah. decycling it yeah so or, you're pretty much boned then yeah if, if or you have to turn it off bit. with newts but like the all of those icky trissa fits because they're fit for abyssals they're crazy cap stable. They're they're meant to be cap, you know, efficient through a heavy amount of new pressure. So there's just no way that reactive is going to get turned off. Yeah, and the uh, the Icky too, its highest resist is thermal. Uh, I believe it has like seventy five percent just base on the whole. So like the high damage crystals, like multi frequency, gleam, etc. Like they are like fifty percent thermal damage. Oh wow. Okay, so that. That could be one hundred percent like viable. That a fiend might not be able to break the tank on that icky. Yeah. Either way, you know, at ship down probably. Yeah, I'd rather lose an at ship in abyssal space than to like five rapiers. One hole. Decloaking, yeah, like you know, and and three carriers jumping in and a black ops and stuff. Like I'd I'd rather it die in abyssal space personally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's well said. The other thing uh, that we kind of wanted to mention, and some of you guys might might yell like this isn't small gang news, but um, Snuff is disbanding. And this kind of surprised me, but I, you know, I, I guess in Snuff, there's a core group of people who are responsible for a lot of the content, much like any other larger groups, even though they're kind of a mid-sized group. But uh, I wanted to talk about this because it's kind of a game design thing where it's the same... Uh, kind of the same complaint we heard when uh, Skill, Skill, Skill U disbanded, uh, which was that it's it's not worth the effort. Essentially, there's not enough of a carrot for these powerful mid-scale groups to put in all the effort to exist, essentially, because it's so much work creating content for their members. 
even though they have like skilled, useful members, these aren't like, you know, you know, these aren't like new players or people who aren't gonna, you know, understand game mechanics and stuff like that. These are skilled people who could help, who could assist in, in finding content, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and now they just decided they're going to throw in the towel. I think stuff may still be a thing, but on a much smaller scale to their old days slumming around low sec, if you will. But uh, I don't know. What do you guys think on that? Like, should this be a wake up to CCP and another one? Should they be paying a lot of, of attention to things like this? I'll let Suetonia go because I have some harsh criticism of CCP when it comes to stagnation. <laughs> Uh, I think the problem is like Citadels, really, when it comes to, to you know, like mid-sized groups trying to get fights. Like, there's like almost no carrot for killing Citadels right now, and the you know free timers, like even like Afanors and Rotarus have week long timers, etc. I think that's probably the biggest like issue right now, as well as like how strong they are defensively. But I also think that snuff kind of like have the same problem as uh, a skill yourself, like you mentioned, is that they're like this big group. They kind of like dunked on everyone around them that were like like give like there were like daily content if you want, like you know like uh, snuffed out, dropped titans, and evicted like a lot of like smaller low sec like FW groups, which is like where they were getting a lot of daily fights from. Those guys moved to the other war zone. Or they went to Nolsec and then Snuff like has no like daily content anymore. Just like kind of like how screw yourself, like you know, like drop supers on everyone around them, then people just like stop roaming there. So it, it's interesting when you say that because um the key kind of component is that they the people they were getting a lot of content from were either vastly outshipped or vastly outnumbered, or a combination of the both. Do you think if if Snuff had the opportunity to leverage skill and organization and surprise and guerrilla tactics against a larger group that that would prolong their existence like if they could meaningfully get content out of you know farming imperium or test or something like that you know do you think that that would prolong their life or other groups yeah definitely like i think the problem is like you just can't like you you can't hit like these big groups like test goons anymore in any kind of meaningful way with citadels in their current state and then you like the smaller guys also kind of feel that way towards snuff as well and so like you know the, the thing is like you either move give up or uh, like do something else yeah it's and, and this is exactly why i wanted to mention i kind of felt the same um so it's kind of a game design thing, not not like a fuck snuff thing. <laughs> it's I don't know, like it it sucks. I was really discouraged to see that because even though I don't uh, partake in in that kind of gameplay, um, I think it's really important to the ecosystem. And having two like super iconic groups like that, just like you know, wave the white flag for reasons related to essentially uh game game design or or stagnation is uh is fairly disheartening but i don't want to like dwell on it um i'm excited about a lot of other things as well but but it's worth mentioning i think and i hope people i hope the right people are paying attention yeah losec might be a bit weird too like now right because like shadow cartel is dead 
snuffed out is dead. I mean, there's like some great taste and like did he say jump and siege screen and a few other groups, but there isn't like this big like low sec superpower anymore. So like it could be interesting to see what actually happens to low sec with snuff gone. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think the issue for me or like from my perspective is when you disincentivize conflict it leads to stagnation and then you know when a group does succeed in whatever their paramount goal was at some point there's nothing to do right there's nothing left and that's what we see the result of skill you and and snuff where they just say okay well we have reached our goal. We feel that there's nothing left. What, you know, what do we do? And, you know, that's, that, that to me is the frustration that I think has hit our community in the last year or whatever, um, in certain areas, you know, um, and that's up to CCP to try and figure out how to, make changes that will encourage conflict and encourage you know these like wars and campaigns and different things but at the same time uh to still leave the option for a sandbox and that yeah that's a tricky part so that's why i say like i have harsh words and criticism when it comes to some of that stagnation because i feel like it's been present for a while and it's not being addressed and that's the result is you have big groups like this say okay well we're resetting or okay well we have to make the design the design decisions because ccp as a company isn't you know like they're they're taking the onus on themselves to make the game more interesting for themselves um and like i kind of commend those player groups like skill and snuff for you know or or at least like the leaders of those groups for saying we're we're just instead of like we're gonna be okay with the status quo instead they say no like we're done reset um we want this to be interesting for us you know um and i i wish that more null set groups did that instead of blowing up and getting stagnant and holding down their fort and you know not undocking but ultimately that's up to CCP to actually like make it make incentives and they haven't. So boom. Yeah. That's my, that's my, uh, that's my, you know, uh, CSM 2020 pitch right there. Uh, hashtag, you know, incentivize conflict, hashtag, whatever. Uh, too funny. All right. You guys have got anything else you, uh, you want to add to this little, uh, our last topic here? Yeah, so I wanted to shout out the bingo card that Suetonia made. We'll link it. Um, it's kind of funny. Now, Suetonia, did you envision people u- like using the topics on the bingo card and just rearranging them and then like playing bingo during eVegas? Or did you want people to be making their own bingo cards with different topics uh, in the squares? I think just the, the second option mostly. It was just like things that I think that like we, we the community's been talking about for a while and it was just like bingo card because vegas 
Yeah, okay. Rather than like something that I wanna like cross off while watching like uh you know the E Vega stream or something. Okay. It it's it, funny. it would be nice though. It, it, yeah, it, it looked funny and it, it looked pretty entertaining and it would be hilarious if someone actually got a bingo uh, off of a bingo card they made. You know? I, well, I let's, guess let's uh, act, so whatever. <laughs> let's let's kind of run with this for a second, though. We're like we're joined by Satonia, you know, like uh, supreme leader of the Kestrel and one of the boxes is Kestrel State Issue. So Satonia, you're given the keys to the Kestrel State Issue. What does it look like? What's the announcement from CCP Satonia on that? A caster of eight high slots and eight rocket launches, and like five mids and three lows. That's pretty much it. Oof, love it. And and then the standard Kestrel bonuses or or other stuff as well. Yeah, yeah. I actually feel like you almost described a Korax, but like, you know, like because that's that's almost the same layout as a Korax. Just uh, you'd have it be frigate sized and and fast, right? Yeah, I mean it's mostly just a meme. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it'll be like you know how the state the state issue raven is to the like regular raven just more slots if, and more launches if the probing grounds the abyssal pvp sites came to frigate sized ones would you take it into that pvp room yeah i'm a big coward with 80 ships so probably not <laughs> uh, fair enough <laughs> All right, guys, that's that's our episode. Thanks for listening. And remember, guys, it's not the size of your gang. It's about how you use it.